let the party begin here in West Lafayette. One of the top five places to watch a college basketball game. I would argue you can't find a better one. Three on the way. Bullseye! I feel the electricity in the house. The passion. It's a wall of sound. So here it back. It is four with Ryan. They go to wall of vacuum. Planted for three. This is the Boiler Ball Podcast. Welcome to the Purdue Basketball Podcast. I'm Elliot Bloom, joined by Rob Blackman, the voice of the Boilermakers. And today is episode 92 here on the podcast. And uh, we've kind of kicked this new season off by talking to some former players and want to dive right back into that with our special guest today, Jim Rowinski, joins us. Jim, how are you? Good, thank you, and thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's great to uh, it's great to get you on here. Um, now, as as we uh, record this podcast, you are down in Florida now, where you live. Is that correct? Yes, I've been down here. I'm originally from New York. I was there for multiple years up in the uh, Northeast, but been down here probably since I've been two th- 2006 down here in the Fort Lauderdale area. Okay, well, you haven't lost that Long Island accent. I'll tell you that, Jim. No, never does. Never <laughs> changes. So, and yeah. there's so many new, there's so many New Yorkers and East Coast, you know, Northeasterns here that uh, you don't have any, you know, everybody sounds the same anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Jim, I want to get into get into your story and uh, where? Did, so you grew childhood, everything that was back in New York the whole time. Yes, Long Island's uh, a town called Syosset, which is a suburb of New York City, probably about uh, forty miles outside um of the city so uh that's where i grew up originally and uh and uh that was my spot <laughs> how was uh how was it growing up there on long island well it's it's nice you know because people think of new york city and the city is great actually because i used to play in a lot of leagues in new york city back in the day but long island is a different uh element because it's a suburb so you have residential so growing up it was great because I had uh, my block, we had a lot of friends, and I was always playing. If it wasn't football, baseball, and basketball, uh, even even lacrosse, I remember. So there was a lot of sports going on, and a lot of leagues, and that's how I started things off. So mostly playing in the in the uh, in the neighborhood and playground. You, uh, was there a sport that you know? What made you eventually go with basketball? Were there other sports that you loved when you were younger? Yeah, I actually was uh, football. I mean, peewee leagues, they had uh, a thing called the Syosset Spartans, and that was a league. Uh, we played other towns. So, And that went from when you were eight, nine years old and then went up to different levels uh, all the way into high school, and I still played football through high school. So football and basketball, too. Um, there were different leagues. I was in uh, St. Edward's Catholic League. And uh, so, you know, that was another one that was um, – you know, very prominent. And in the spring, I would play baseball, too. So I, I played all year round. What fo- uh, position did you play in football? Football, I was uh, QB and um, on defense, uh, a safety. So oh, okay. I, I, was, I was smaller back then, but I, was, <laughs> but I think that's where I got my original toughness because, it, you know, playing football, you, you had to be tough. And I think uh, I brought that along as I went into the basketball side. 
Well, you know, grow, when you were growing up, playing multiple sports wasn't a big deal. You know, now it seems in this day right. and age, it's uh-huh. it's rarer and rarer to find kids who just kind of go right. from one season to the other. But, uh, yeah. yeah, back when we were, I mean, even yeah. you're a little older than I am, but even when I my age, that was just what you did. You yeah. went from season to season. Yeah, I mean, it was an all-year-round thing. And thank God, you know, my dad, my, my sister, uh, who actually went to Purdue, one of the reasons why I ended up there, you know, she was a big sports person. Uh, so my dad was constantly, if not coaching us, taking us from place to place. Uh, so I always appreciated that because it was a lot of work. Now, your sister's older? Yes, my sister was older. And, uh, you know, people, just to get onto that track, people said, how do you end up from Long Island, New York to Purdue University? Yeah. Well, my dad went there years ago. He was an electrical engineer back in the day. And my sister was on the crew team, so wow. um, okay. I used to wa- I used to watch her row down the Wabash uh, back in the day. So, wow! <laughs> wow. Uh, wow! Yeah, well, they're still doing that. They're still doing that around oh, yeah. here. Yeah, oh, yeah. The crew was big, and you know she was always a big sports person. So you know that's one of the reasons why you know I chose. Um, you know I wanted to go to a good school, and education was also top on my list. So uh, that's kind of how I ended up. Um, you know, from New York to West Lafayette, Indiana. Do you remember how old you were when basketball started becoming kind of your main sport, or did it, or did you, or did you play everything all the way through? Yeah, I mean, right through high school, event. You know, I, I was playing. So, um, but you know, basketball ended up just being a notch ahead, and I had, um, you know, being cut. Actually, I was cut in eleventh grade. I, I think the story was told. Uh, before I know that in some news articles back in the day, but uh, it was cut, and then I grew from uh, about to just under six foot to about six four in one year, and I started as a senior. Wow! So, my team, so that was kind of a a jump. But I had some some offers from smaller schools, um, you know, in basketball, so that's where I was kind of leaning towards. Gotcha. Um, at the time, and do you remember when you went through that growth spurt? Just how different you felt you know from how different the game was from one year to the next yeah i I mean it was a strange thing you don't really realize it you know until you you (laughs) have to buy new clothes and stuff (laughs) all of a sudden i'm i'm taller it's funny because i'd come back it it, it was strange too because you know i came to purdue i was about six three and a half six four around that size and then every year you know when i made the team denny miller would would um would you know uh, weigh us and give us a hey you know you're an inch tall i said yeah okay so, <laughs> wow you know, so each year i was growing about an inch you know and you know that actually helped me because i wasn't one of these big guys that um you know just growing up and stuff i was handling <laughs> the ball i had those skills and uh i wasn't a big guy that just st- stood on the block and never touched the ball so i actually it was an advantage because i brought those skills as i started to grow and I grew into it. So, you know, that's why I was able to, uh, I, I think, have uh, the athletic ability to be able to handle the ball, which is a big thing when you're a big guy. Uh, sometimes, you know, as a kid, you, this, the, those big guys never get to touch the ball. Their, uh, their uh, skills aren't as sharp. But when you're, you know, when you do it my way, it's kind of like I went through this process and I just brought those skills along. You, uh, you said something interesting there, Jim, and I think our listeners need to be aware of this if they weren't already. You said, each year when I would make the team, 
you came to Purdue as a walk-on. I think most folks probably know that part of right. your story. But I've also read where you came to Purdue hoping to just be on the practice team three or four years, get your degree, and move on. So the fact that you you literally were trying out for the team every year and were just helpful, or pardon me, were just uh, you were just uh, hopeful that you're going to be able to make the team, right? It wasn't even a guaranteed you'd had a roster spot every season. Oh no, not not at all. I mean, it was kind of you know, like I said, education to me was very important. So I knew you know, in my dad being there from before my sister there, so. You know, that was uh, utmost importance, but I did know about Lee Rose because I came in uh, last year, Lee Rose, um, and I did know about his, the Renegade squad um, that he had, and it was the practice team uh, against the varsity. So I remember you go against Joe Barry, Carroll, uh, Arnett Hallman's, you know, guys like that, but you had to make that team. You just didn't show up and you played. So, so I tried out for that. Um, and I made that and, and, you know, the thing that happened, you know, things that fell into place were after, uh, coach Rose left and coach Katie came in, you know, the renegades were dissolved. I think they had that for two years, uh, uh-huh. the renegade. And, um, so, but the thing was that Lee Rose, uh, gave coach Katie a nod on me and said, Hey, this guy comes to play, plays hard, which I did. You know, I came to play every time and. Even if I got knocked down, I was right back up. And um, so I think that recommendation put the bug in Coach Katie's ear, so to speak. And Coach Katie came to me and said, hey, you know, I heard you're, you know, you're working hard. I'd like to give you a shot. So, uh, Wow, that's, that's really interesting. So when you were in high school, you, didn't, you came to Purdue as a student and then made it? Or had you had contact with the coaches during high school to say, like, hey, this is part of my no. decision? <laughs> I, I think you can call me the um, the stalk brought me and landed me on uh, Coach Katie's doorstep. Basically. Wow! But no, I didn't have any contact. I just knew of it. You yeah. know, my sister had had told me about it too, and I had read about you know that Coach Rose had this renegade squad. So it was really you know again coming out. I still wanted to try and play, and yeah, uh, I thought that was my best avenue was to get on the renegade squad, which I did, and. Um, you know, who knew that Coach Rose would be abruptly leaving right. when Coach Katie came in. So that was the other uh, dynamic going on at the time. Wow. And, yeah. So basically, I have to uh, tip my hat to Coach Rose for giving that recommendation because who knows, you know, Coach yeah. Katie would have never known maybe to give me the shot. <laughs> and from there, you know, I, I think I fit Coach Katie's style of play, yeah. you know, again, even though I was uh, still kind of a skinny kid and, uh, you know, I still played hard. Um, you know, I came to play every day and I know coach, you know, which I, his philosophies fit well in line with mine, you know, being a character, uh, you know, having good character yeah. being a team team type of situation. So, um, so I just developed right through coach Katie's uh, program. And of course the physical development, you know, kind of went into hyper gear yeah uh, after that because you know most people um you know are done growing usually by the time they're in high school but you know uh, i was able to keep going and you can grow to your 21 as i'm told but i kept going <laughs> not, so, ma- not many do that you're one of the no, few but that's awesome no you don't see that that development that late development like that and uh but you know I look back at it now and all these pieces of the puzzle that came into place, it just seems, you know, so 
um, mystical, so to speak, the way things went, you know, from one thing to another to another. So, Had um, you been to campus before? Like, did you guys come and visit your sister? Or when you decided to go to Purdue, was that the first time you'd been to campus? Well, I, I've had visit. My dad and I used to go out, you know, even I, when I was in high school, we went out to visit Sue. Okay. Um, and so I knew of the campus. And, uh, you know, I mean, Purdue, let's face it, even back then had a great reputation um, because, you know, sports, no matter what, and I, I've done a lot of camps for kids and stuff, and I told them, you know, sports is great, but, you know, it, it can be short-lived. Um, it's your education that lasts your lifetime. And probably the most valuable commodity I have is that degree. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just it stays with you for the rest of your life. And the sports is great. Uh, you go as far as you can, but basically, you know, you have a lifetime to work with, and that's the education part. And I, I try and stress that because I think in this day and age, it's kind of lost a little bit, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, the value of, of having a, an actual scholarship in hand, you know, people always say, well, maybe they're not getting enough. Well, to me, that scholarship is the most valuable thing I did. Yeah, it's amazing, too. And and a scholarship or a, a degree, but then mm-hmm. also it's amazing. I've always been amazed at the Purdue degree. And the right. power that that has around the world, and it's it's right. everywhere we've traveled, whether it's in the continental yeah. United States or even abroad, yeah. I'm always amazed that when people see if I'm wearing a Purdue shirt, the the, <laughs> the people that approach me on the street and talk yeah. about Purdue, and I could be in, a, in another country, and yet it still resonates yeah. with people. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, it is it is world known, and you know, and and the thing that was so great about it too is. And I've been around, you know, I played um, overseas, I played in the CBA, you know, some stints in the NBA, but, um, you know, the um, uh, the impact of having that in hand is so important, um, you know, again, and, and produce just so well known that, um, you know, it opens doors for you. And, and you know, the thing about Coach Katie, too, is he was such, uh, out of all the numbers and wins and losses, his biggest thing was his graduation percentage yeah. on play and, 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 you know, they do it right because I've seen where, you know, and I've been around different players that, you know, they, they didn't either finish it or, you know, something, um, you know, the, the value of, of their degree wasn't what it should been. And, and, you know, and then when you stop playing, you know, what do you do? So you got to have that, you know, contingency plan. And that's where the education and this, and being a student athlete and I, Stress student is first, athlete is second, and again, that's something I think that is missed in this day and age. When you when you got to campus, do you remember? Did you walk over to an office or something to say, "Hey, I'm I'm here to try to make this renegade team"? Do you remember that moment? Yeah, I, I just remember going to Mackey, and there was a tryout. Um, um, you know, and and actually, um, you know, there was a tryout sheet, and I actually met. Um, one of my, uh, who turned out to be one of my fraternity brothers, Tony Tresser, he, he was there at the time and he had already played one year. So he kind of took me under his wing a little bit and showed me the ropes and, and got me involved with the Renegades. But I, I do remember going over to Mackey and uh, there was signups and then we had a, you know, there was quite a few of guys yeah. trying out for that team. Yeah. So, you know, and uh, so, um, you know, with, with Tony and actually, Elliot, he's been part of my um, over the last years where you've got me tickets for the games. He's always come. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, and and so it's very cool. But he he kind of uh, started things with me and helped me, you know, roll through it. And then after that, it was just, you know, again, try out, keep trying out, and and moving to the next level. That's great. So, do do you remember that day? Were you nervous? Did you were you? Was it one of those things where if you didn't make it, were you going to be crushed, or was it one of those things? Where, eh, let's see what happens. Well, you know, you know, I mean, it would have been disappointing. Uh, but, you know, the one thing I knew I was doing was because of my jump from uh, 11th grade being cut and, and actually making all conference as a senior on yeah. uh, Long Island, I, I knew I was improving and I knew my skills were getting better. So I had confidence in myself that, you know, I, I could and, and I said, you know, as long as I play hard and show up and, uh, you know, I'm not there just for, you know, um, uh, just going out on the court and, and, and doing certain things. I'm here to play hard. And, you know, Coach Rose, I think, saw that, which translated, you know, with him, again, uh, helping me move with Coach Katie. So, did, did, did he have any idea that you were an accomplished high school player? Or did he think – because I've – now, we don't have walk-on trouts anymore, but we used to. Right. And, you know, yeah. you, it runs the gamut. You get some guys that woke up five minutes before tryouts and, <laughs> right. you know, yeah. they think like, yeah, I'll, I'll make the team. And then you've got some guys you kind of know about as a coaching yeah. staff. Were you one of the yeah. guys that they – did they know your accomplishments? No, I, I, I doubt it. You know, okay. being out in New York, you know, I again, I had some offers from my upstate New York schools. I probably could have went there and – uh, and not that they were bad schools, they were just small. I just wanted to go to something bigger and, and yeah. grander. Um, yeah. You know, and then I, when I heard about the uh, Renegade situation, I said, you know, I'm going to, you know, I, I remember the summer before just doing my thing, playing in my summer leagues and saying, hey, you know, I'm going to work and, and, and make this first. That's the first thing to do. And, um, you know, again, nobody knew that uh, the transition was going to happen so quickly, you know, with Coach Rose leaving and Coach Katie coming in. So, um, so again, the pieces of the puzzle, you know, the timeline and everything just kind of fell into place. Yeah. When that, so you make it and then how did that, how did that all, what was going through your mind when the coaching change happened? Because the one thing I was curious about is Lee Rose and Gene Cady are very different, have very different personalities. <laughs> yeah. So what, what was, uh, what was that like for you as being around and seeing all that? Well, you know, I didn't know what was going to happen because, you know, this was Coach Rose's program with the Renegades. Uh, so I was, you know, just going to see what happens. And, um, you know, it, it, behind the scenes, basically, Coach Katie, you know, got got to me, you know, sent a message, say, hey, would like to see me. And so, you know, again, with Coach Rose giving me a good nod, he, you know, Coach, I remember Coach Katie going to him down in Mackey and said, hey, you know, I, I, I've heard some good things, uh, you, know, you know, about what you've been doing and how you came out to play. This is the kind of, uh, you know, this is the kind of uh, work ethic I'm trying to establish as being a first year coach at Purdue. Mm -hmm. So uh, so he said, you know, basically, um, you know, I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to give you a shot to basically try out again. So, um, you know, there was no, hey, I'm going to put you on scholarship right away. It was like, you know, you're going to try, you know, I'm going to have you try out again. I want you to come out. And so I had to gear back up. And but I knew if I worked even harder, you know, here's a chance to actually get on the on the team versus, you know, being on the practice squad. Yeah. Were, were you the only renegade holdover that Coach Katie reached out to? As far as I know, I believe so. Mm. Oh, uh, wow. Okay. Uh, 
Yeah, I, and uh, I remember there were, you know, again, there were two seasons of it. So some guys came and went year one, year two. But I think for my group, um, I was the only one as far as I know. <laughs> so you, uh, you're you on the team. Uh, Coach Katie gets things going. He makes a couple NITs in your freshman and sophomore right. years. Um, right. You don't play a lot those two years. You played in 11 games combined. What right. was uh, what was that like as Coach Katie's kind of starting to build a program? Um, did you know? Mm-hmm. I, I know I've heard from some guys who played during those days, and they're like, "Yeah, you know, like any coach that's trying to establish himself, there's yeah. some highs and lows." Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, like I said, the, the nice thing about this whole situation is Coach Katie's ideals and what he was trying to do and accomplish kind of were in sync with mine, um, and I, I just you know, felt very comfortable with his program. Uh, coach, you know, uh, can be can be tough, but he's tough when he has to be. And, and um, you know, and he works as hard and, and, you know, that's what needs to do to win. So, you know, I felt very uh, comfortable in his program and I just knew if I kept with it and, and uh, kept going, you know, in the beginning, not a lot of freshmen or sophomores play a lot. So I knew that was, you know, not gonna happen. Uh, but, you know, again, uh, with my development and physical development started too, um, people always ask me, okay, when does it, when do you start now, start putting on the extra pounds, you know, the muscle and all that. Yeah. And the, the next thing that happened, uh, Elliot, that uh, kind of, you know, whether the basketball gods were looking down on me, um, I had a stress fracture. Um, uh, so, I, you know, I was a five-year guy. And I was I was redshirted for one year, um, which actually turned out to be a big plus. And luckily, they caught it early enough where if, if you play so many games, you're, you know, that season counts. Yeah, but they caught it early. So I was redshirted. And, and, you know, I was still like I said, by that time, I'm probably six, five, six, going towards six, six. And I said, you know, this is a tough league. Now it's time to start. um bulking up a little and and that's where i really started to do the weight program um and you know i just remember i'd go to practice every day sit on that bike ride the bike you know <laughs> just to keep keep going because yeah. that's all i could do yeah you know, i remember watching practice and just be i had a bike and so i'd watch everything and then just keep riding that bike but afterwards is where i started to uh pick up uh doing some weightlifting, kind of on my own to start um uh, Coach Katie eventually implemented um, who Greg. Um, Greg was a very good um, uh, assistant on uh, uh, co- um, uh, for the weight program, yeah. and he and eventually Greg set up you know a basketball program for for weight uh, weightlifting and things like that, different um, modalities. So, yeah, is that Greg Lehman? I believe it's Greg. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Greg, yeah, I think it's Greg, and I think he's still around Lafayette. Yeah, he is. I actually just saw him the other day. He's doing well. He's uh, yeah, he's, yeah, he's a very nice guy. Yeah, and, and and he, you know, because we were really the the pioneers, I think, uh, to start that, and and you know, for the basketball team, yeah, as a whole. But in in the very beginning, I kind of did it on my own. I actually, um, I was in a fraternity for a couple of years, and then I went off campus. I met some guys. Uh, that were kind of weightlifter guys. Yeah. And I remember I used to sneak off to the uh, correct. My that that correct <laughs> too was my my that was my original when I started basketball slash weightlifting place. 
um, when I got to Purdue because I was always running over there playing, you know, playing in pickup games and then going down to the weight room. And uh, so those guys kind of showed me a few tricks and I got started that way, you know, and, and being redshirted for the year, that's where things started to roll from there. Well, it's funny because when I talk to guys from that from your era, um, right. you know, they always say, man, Purdue just had all these big bodies that came through that program. <laughs> and, and, you know, your right. name gets thrown around and Scheffler and guys like that. Like, right. man, they just had these dudes that were so big and physical. And it's right. it's interesting to think about that that was kind of a cutting edge thing that originated here. Yeah. I mean, uh, like I said, it, it, it just kind of started. And, you know, be honest with you, um, people don't – People don't equate weightlifting to basketball, but, um, you know, Michael, just an example, Michael Jordan uh, is a perfect example because when he came out, he was a skinny kid from North Carolina. And, you know, it's funny that um, the Detroit Pistons and uh, and the Bulls didn't like each other, but he actually thanked the the Detroit Pistons for making them tougher and realizing, hey, I got to start getting uh, more physical. And I and that's when he started his weight program too. Yeah. Basically. And people don't realize even on the road he was you know greatest player of all time hands down. But that's when he started doing his lifting and he kept with it throughout the year. Yeah. So you know so this was just starting to kind of pick up. But um, but you know I I kind of did it because I had the frame. Now I needed to you know get tougher because of the Big Ten and yeah. back then they really let you play. I mean you know you would. Uh, have to almost knock somebody to the ground to get a foul call. So, <laughs> you know, back in those days. So, you know, I knew that I had to, and 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 I knew my position was starting to change. I'm I'm starting from a big guard to a small forward. Before I know it, you know, I'm 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 leaning towards the power forward uh, position. Yeah. So, and and you know, as time went on, you know, that's where coach needed the most help, and you know, with my with my uh, progress and physical progress. You know, I, I kept moving up the ladder, so to speak, as far as positions go. Your freshman, sophomore year, you guys make the NIT and, and actually advance back to New York. Do you uh, were you on those trips home? Did uh, did you do you remember that and the chance to go home with the team? Oh yeah, no, that was great. I mean, the biggest blast and was to be able to play in Madison Square Garden. Yeah, I bet as a New York wow. guy, that had to be an yeah. absolute thrill. I mean, I remember growing up and seeing. Uh, God, the, the back in the day with the New York Knicks, the great teams, Willis Reed, Walt Frazier's, and yeah. stuff like that. And now, you know, you get to go onto the uh, that stage. It was it was pretty amazing, and uh, you know, just friends and family coming out for something like that. I mean, that that was a blast. Well, I don't know if it gets better than hearing your accent say the word "garden." That's yeah. the, yeah, <laughs> that's, oh, yeah. that's awesome. Exactly. <laughs> that's awesome. Yep, Madison Square. That was. And that then later, was... later on, I actually, when I was uh, with Miami and a few other teams, uh, Philadelphia uh, um, Sixers, I got to play again in the oh, Garden. Wow. So that was really cool. That's um, that's great. That's really cool. Yeah. So then, your junior year is when things start to get a little interesting. You uh, you you right. your playing time goes up. You start uh, yeah. a handful of games that year, um, and yeah. then safe to say the 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 shot. Uh, that is one of one of the most, if not the most famous shot in, in Purdue basketball history, uh, the game over yeah. at Illinois. Um, yeah. And so many things. So that season, you guys really kind of take a step. I mean, you make the NCAA tournament your junior year. So you, there's progress as a, as a program. 
after two NITs. Now you guys break through and get to the tournament. Uh, you had right. broken into the top 25 throughout the year a couple times. Um, right. Really started off the year well uh, with a lot of uh, non-conference wins. But tell us about this game at Illinois. I've heard several kind of <laughs> renditions right. of it or uh, versions of it. Um, but give, uh, give us your – set the scene, so to speak, about this game over in Champaign. Yeah, I mean, that was probably, I mean, for me, one of the most amazing games. Uh, what, what was amazing about it is, you know, I think we were down 20 with about 12 minutes to go. Mm-hmm. And don't forget, back then, there was no shot clock. So, yeah. uh, hmm. you know, so that's kind of, you know, something to say, hey. Um, and and um, I think where Lou Henson, if he was looking back, probably went into that stall a little bit too early, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because they had a big lead. But. You know, what happened was, I mean, Coach just got frustrated and said, hey, uh, guys like Matt Gaddis, uh, Herb Robinson, Teddy Benson, myself, I think he left Russell in, but really cleared the bench. And, you know, just things weren't clicking and didn't felt didn't feel like we were playing hard. So, you know, that squad came in and, you know, we just said, hey, we're not going to we're not going to let this sit, even though we're down 20. You know, this is embarrassing. We're not going to embarrass ourselves, and uh, that was kind of the mantra throughout the uh, throughout the game. Uh, but you know, things came into place, and I think where we really wanted won the won the game was on the defensive end because I think they've only scored two or four points in the last ten ten. Uh, yeah, I have the numbers: zero points over the last nine thirty-eight. You no, held them right. scoreless over the last nine thirty-eight. Yeah, 38. Amazing. yeah. Amazing. great amazing. research, Rob. Great yeah, research. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, thanks for looking that up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was a, it was an eighteen zero run to end the game over the last wow. nine thirty eight. Exactly, which is unheard of. Yeah, but, you know, but we all played our, you know, we played hard, and that's the way that team, you know, because I was still playing a lot of times with the second team guys like Matt Gaddis and Herb Robinson and um, you know guys like that. So you know, we always played hard when we played against the uh, the first team in practice. And that's the way we came out. But, um, you know, and, and, you know, I, of course, I hit the last shot. But guys like, you know, Herb hit some big shots. Matt Gaddis hit some some really key shots, too. And, um, you know, just kind of kept chipping away. And before we know it, you know, we're within striking distance. And the cool thing about it was Coach kept us in. You know, wow. it wasn't like, hey, let's put the first team back in. I mean, he kept uh, with us all the way to the final seconds. Yeah, that and, is rare. That's that's rare. That, yeah, because usually you'd say, hey, you know, thanks, guys, for getting us back yeah. in there. Now we're going to put the first team back yeah. in and finish it off. But, no, nope, he stepped. He, he kept to the guns. And that was a very pivotal game, too, that year. Um, you know, that, that was a pivotal game. So it wasn't like a, it was a throwaway game. So, um, but, you know, what, what happened, of course, he, uh, Ricky came back in late, and that big steal at the end, they had the last shot and uh ricky stole it and with about three seconds left called timeout and we got the ball at half court oh. and i remember if you go on youtube there's a thing about that hole and the announcers were saying do you think you know on the bench do you think he'll you know put in the other players or he's going to keep and sure enough you know herb robinson came back out matt gaddis um and herb was taking the ball out uh they had russell down on the lower block and i i could tell that 
my guy was kind of really sloughing off because they figured they were going to just throw it into Russell from midcourt. Yeah. And so I kind of snuck up around the top of the key. And I remember Ricky was pointing right at me, was pointing to Herb and said, hey, look, look who's wide open. Because I guarantee you that play wasn't designed to go to me. <laughs> I was going to ask you what was said in the huddle during the timeout. It was basically get it down to Russell Lowe and, and yeah. let him do the work with three seconds left. But, um, you know, but since I leaked up towards the, you know, my guy was leaning and he just forgot all about me. And I was kind of standing up there and uh, Herb, Herb threw it in. I took a couple dribbles. Um, you know, I do remember um, the one thing I remember is Derek Harper flying by me. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Because he was trying to, you know, kind of, I, I, I'm sure they didn't want to foul, uh, but he kind of whizzed right by me because I saw that shadow kind of go by me. Wow. And, yeah. Yeah. And I took a couple dribbles and let it go. But um, I'll tell you, it was the most amazing game that I've ever been, um, been in, of course. And I know after the game, coach was just, he and I, we, I remember shaking our heads and saying, you know, I didn't, I didn't even think he realized, you know, that uh, the magnitude of it. We were just like, wow, what just happened? Well, it's one of those games that still resonates to this day. And you guys, I was looking it up, uh, the, the, the sequence there. You know, you guys beat Illinois back in Mackey earlier in the year in January by one. Right. You, you then had lost three straight road games. You broke into the top 20 or top 25, and then you lost three straight road games. So then this was your – this snapped a four a three-game road winning streak yeah. or losing streak. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, like you said, a lot of implications on this game. It really kind of got you over the hump and into the NCAA tournament. Um, yeah. I, I remember co- having this conversation with Coach Katie. He said the game came on late, and it was on tape delay. Right. He, he huh. said it did not air live. And so wow. <laughs> a lot of people listened on the radio. Well, if you're listening to a 20-point right. blowout, yeah. most of those yeah. dials are getting turned off. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah, that's pretty fun. Yeah, most of it, yep. Yeah. I mean, you, you, people are not tuning in and they say, oh, that's done. Yeah. That's one of those games you wake up the next day, what, what just happened? Yeah. You know? Coach said he got in. When they got in the office the next day, they had a lot of voicemails. From people saying, "Ah, oh, sorry about the loss last night. Sorry about the loss. Sorry about the loss." And then a couple people yelling about the loss. What are you guys doing? What are you guys doing? And he said yeah. it was so gratifying to be able to call them all back and go, "You didn't stay up to the end, did you?" Yeah. Yeah. Traders, the traders. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but, no, I mean, who would who would have thought? You know, uh, with with uh, twelve minutes to go and down. I mean, I would have turned the game off, but. Uh, <laughs> I think it actually even made CBS Sunday morning. There was a clip I was told. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it kind of was one of those things that kind of, you know, one of those games that just goes out there and, and uh, across the country. So, but, you know, that game really helped me as far as uh, gaining more confidence and Coach Katie putting more confidence, uh, you know, and, and have me in, you know, even during crunch time. Yeah. So. Well, the final mm-hmm. final thing on that game, I know somebody told me that when it aired on tape delay, it was it aired later and was in the bars around town, and there right. were a handful of people that knew the outcome, and they would go to the they were going to the bars and making bets with people who were oh, watching no. the tape delay, and they said, you know what, I bet right. Purdue comes back and wins this one. Oh no way! Well, what do you want to bet? <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, Whoa. I heard that went on in some of the in some of the watering holes around town. Yeah, yeah. and and you want to know the coolest thing because I think that was on a Wednesday game. Yeah, uh, and you know, so 
we drive, so we're back home, and I got to get to class the next day. And, you know, I'm in this, this big class, probably about 100 people. You know, some of the classrooms are very big. Yeah. And, you know, I kind of always sat in the back a little bit to be uh, not uh, too uh, out there. And, and, and the cool thing was when I came in, I got a standing O from the, oh, that, from the students. That's awesome. Oh, that cool. is so that cool. Is cool. Yeah, that would yeah, make that, you feel like a million bucks, huh? Yeah, I was like, well, yeah, it might be turned red, too, because, you know, <laughs> I was kind of in the background there and, you know, just doing my work. But I, was, I just remember that, and that was pretty cool uh, because, you know, again, it was just one of those amazing games and, um, you know, to be a part of and, and uh, you know, and actually be – uh, part of the winning formula for it. But, yeah. But again, it was a combination of, you know, guys like Herb Robinson and Matt Gaddis and Teddy Benson coming in. And, you know, I mean, it wasn't just myself. I just happened to get the last shot off. But, um, you know, it was just, uh, it was just, you know, it just shows you the work ethic, even on the second team that Coach Katie instilled. And, um, you know, the never, never quit and, and keep playing hard right to the last second. Well, you guys get through that junior year, you make the NCAA tournament, and then you enter your senior year, and then things really change. You, uh, you're, you're a right. starter, um, yeah. and you, you go from, you know, being yeah. a, a role piece to now being a, a 15 point a game scorer, um, right. and and things really came together for for you guys and for Coach in his first yeah. uh, in his his first Big Ten championship happens your senior year. Yeah, I, I mean, again, another uh, thing, again, basketball gods, maybe we're looking down, but, you know, if Russell doesn't leave early, you know, I'm basically still a backup. Yeah. So, uh, so that was the other, another key situation that happened uh, for myself, um, you know, with Russell going and everybody, after he left, basically riding us off, I think we were picked uh, ninth. Ninth, uh, correct, pitch. yes. Your yeah. Purdue was preseason pick number nine in the Big Ten. Not number nine, but, you know, we went on a trip, I remember, overseas to the Netherlands, and we played uh, over there. That was a pretty cool trip. And, um, you know, just to get uh, away from everything and, and work as a team. But I, I knew because – you know, one of the key factors of having a good squad, especially in the Big Ten, is, is um, having uh, uh, players with tenure and mm -hmm. have been through the battles. Yeah. And so I, I knew, you know, we had guys like Steve Reed, Kirk Clausens, Greg Eiferts, Jim Bullocks. Uh, you know, we've all been through it. A nice pickup addition was Mark Atkinson. Yeah. Uh, from the junior college. So, you know, we had a, a, a smart team. Uh, we we maybe didn't have the, the horses to run up and down, but we were smart uh, as far as play and knew how to control the tempo. And that's where guys like Ricky Hall and Steve Reed came in and were able to control the, control the tempo of a lot of those games. Uh, because back then, you could do that more because there was no shot clock. Yeah. And, you know, games, you know, you might be uh, 50 to 46, you know, things like that. Uh, because you know it was a we could slow things down. Uh, we're not going to run anybody out of the uh, out of the gym, um, you know. And and basically uh, for myself, I had to be put into the center position too. So um, you know, I, I remember we were playing basically with three forwards uh, that year. Wow, pretty much. And matchups for me were guys like Uve Blob, seven yeah. one, mm. John Shasky. I think he was around seven two. 
um, Willis, um, uh, Willis from Michigan State. He was a seven footer. Yeah, Kevin uh, Willis. Yeah, Kevin Willis, a very good player. Uh, Roy Tarpley. Wow. Good, yeah, good, yeah. There's some studs. I mean, that's. I mean, I can see why we were ranked uh, ninth because I mean, Michigan State, Iowa, Greg Stokes. Um, you know, good players. Yeah, and good teams. But you know, I, I think one thing that meshed that probably because I think Michigan and Michigan State were picked to win that. Uh, you know, and and they never really. They had Sam Vincent, Scott Skiles. Um, you know, I, I don't think they. Um, I, I think maybe the team play wasn't, you know, they had the talent, but that goes to show you we didn't have as much talent, but I think the team play um, and the cohesiveness, uh, you know, trumped everything else. Yeah, you and guys I, went 3-1 and one against the Michigan teams that year. I'm looking at it right now. You were 15-3, yeah. won the league. I remember asking Coach Katie about some of his more memorable wins, and he always brought up when you got your second game that year, you went out to Fresno. And, right. and beat their team. They were ranked 13th in the country, and mm. you went out and beat them in the second game by a point. Yeah. And I guess he always he raved about Boyd Grant, the head coach of Fresno, said he was a great coach, and he said that was right. one of the better wins he ever had was that year. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, that was, the I believe, the Sunmet Classic. I yeah, that. yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, and that was, uh, you know, that was in the beginning. That was to show that, you know, and, and most of our games were nail biters throughout the whole year. Very rarely did we get, you know, a 10-plus point win. Yeah. Uh, everything was four, or five, six points. So every game, you know, was uh, tongue-in-cheek. And uh, that's where, you know, things started, where we were able to, you know, basically that's where the uh, the senior, um, you know, the senior tenure and, and um, you know, just that, that mindset, you know, the pressure that you can handle which is so important because you can have great talent, but if you haven't been through the, those wars for a couple of years, uh, it's very difficult to manage. Yeah. So, uh, so overall, you know, even games like that, another one pointer, I can't tell you how many games we won by four or five points, even two points, whatever the case may be. But every game was usually a tight one. Yeah. And do you, do you, you won the one point game at Minnesota last game of the year to win the big 10. Do you, do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah, that was another nail biter. I mean, we we were actually sitting pretty comfortable. I remember in the second half until I think Tommy Davis started launching these thirty uh, footers, and <laughs> he, he didn't miss. He hit like five five in a row, and um, you know, and then basically, uh, you know, they carved things down. And um, you know, we went into our spread offense. I remember, you know, with the last few minutes, and uh, you know, they had the foulers. So I remember Kirk Clawson hitting a couple of clutch free throws at the very end but that that was such a big game because that catapulted us uh you know and, and and we were co-tied with uh illinois but we needed that win yeah and what was cool about that game too it was uh national you know they they switched it to a national tv game oh Let's yeah see. yeah billy billy packard uh was was uh announcing the game so i thought that was pretty cool yeah uh, yeah somebody sent me a tape once and i still have it of, of that game um so you know kind of a nice thing to actually see it you know with cbs and and the whole thing and um had a had a good game you know myself and um so but overall the team you know that capped off uh, a fantastic season yeah that's that's one you know coach one of coach's first his first of six big 10 championships and uh 
it's one of those teams that I think is still talked about around. Well, I know it's still talked about around here um, as being uh, just a a exemplary of of what Purdue stands for and how, you know, work hard, put your head to the ground or nose the grindstone and and good things are going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And during that that year, Ellie, I I do remember something really cool because, you know, what, what was so special about that was the fans, you know, the students, uh, as as we started to win, you know, the crowds got bigger, you know, because people really in the beginning probably were riding us off a little bit, which I don't blame them. Yeah. Uh, but the, the biggest game of the year was that Illinois game at home. Yeah. And, and I remember what was really cool. A couple of days before that game, there was a pep rally in Mackey Arena. Some 9,000 people showed up for it. Wow. Uh, yeah. And how often do you get a pep rally like that? Um because that was another pivotal game. You know, we had a kind of a clunker against them in Illinois that year. Um, so, you know, we needed to avenge that. And it was also, you know, puts us back into first place. But that game there was, was you know, a big one. But I just remember that and, and the fans and everybody and, and the people in, in town just getting behind, which was a great experience. Well, um, and... And uh, you you probably remember this, Jim, but Sports Illustrated also did a huge article on that yeah. game. Uh, yeah. However, do you remember the title of that article? Um, Not to know, embarrass I, you, but I'm going to say it. The Prince yeah. of Pex gave yeah. Purdue a lift. <laughs> remember, yeah. in, in the article, they called you the Polish Prince of Pex. Do you remember yeah. that? Yeah, I, I remember the article. It was pretty cool. <laughs> And um, I forget, um, you know, and I had nothing to do with, uh, I, I remember speaking to, um, actually, he was the um, uh, Sports Illustrated, one of very well-known, uh, Curry uh, Kirkpatrick. Oh, Curry Kirkpatrick, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah he was the one, and I remember, because before the games, he interviewed some of the, so this happened before the game, uh, he interviewed some of the top players on both teams, because, no, you know, he didn't know which direction this article was going to go. Oh, okay. I, just, I just happened to have, you know, actually the second half was the best half I think I've ever played, um, you know, because in the first half I think I had four points and a few rebounds. But second half, you know, I ended up with 20 points and some 13 rebounds or so and uh, was able actually on defensive end close down Ephraim Winters who was kind of hurting us in the uh, first half. Yeah, held him, so, held him to two points in the second half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of just – you know, that's where I said I'm going to just keep him away from the hoop. And, and that was always my philosophy when I was going against guys that were taller. You know, I could use my strength to push him out and get him out of the comfort zone. Don't let him settle into those comfort zones. And uh, so I was able to kind of keep him away uh, a little further than he's used to. And uh, so it worked on that. But nonetheless, you know, that second half to me was, was pretty cool because, you know, another – uh, case in point, like the Minnesota game, we had a pretty good lead, and all of a sudden Bruce Douglas starts stealing the ball all over the place. Um, you know, Bruce was an amazing player, but he was a you know he he was so quick with his hands. Uh, he made three or four steals in a row, basically, and and now they're back in the game. Wow, yeah, that's a that game. They you we were ranked thirteenth. Illinois was sixth in the country. Beat them by four. You had a yeah. week between you win at Michigan, then you have a week until that Illinois game. So that, what a cool thing, the pep rally. And then yeah. I, I, I assume that Mackey was just bananas that night and loud. 
Oh, it, it was it was such an atmosphere that you'll never forget. Um, and you know, Coach always said one thing. He said he says, guys, you know, uh, uh, through this through the season, you guys are going to look at this twenty years later and appreciate it even more. And you know, it, he's right because you reflect on it when you're going through it. It's yeah. just something hey, we're doing, and we have to do it. And this is our job, basically. But when you look back on it, you know, it, it, it you savor it even more. Yeah. So, that's awesome. Uh, it was just a, a cool thing to have the student body. And, you know, I get credit, too, and, and uh, the cheerleaders, too, who worked hard. All the people behind the scenes that worked hard for us. Um, you know, Alan Karpak, there's a name. You know, Alan's a great guy and, uh, you know, did a lot behind the scenes for us. And uh, everything from him to the band, you know, just it was just an amazing feeling. Um, having all this, you know, all this great, energy behind us well it was really cool and i think that uh um like i said it's one of those teams that uh that uh will, will, will yeah. their legacy will live on uh, well beyond the years and i think your story is to come here as a a true walk-on like a guy that really truly walks <laughs> on and uh, to achieve what you achieved in those four years is just remarkable what a what a what an amazing career yeah, I mean, reflecting back on it, you know, it is a pretty amazing story. I mean, I wasn't even at the end of the bench. I wasn't even on the bench. <laughs> yeah, um, right, right. You hear about the end of the bench, but, you know, I just kind of, like I said, I always felt I was a stalk. I, I was brought over by a stalk and landed on Coach Katie's doorstep. <laughs> and uh, But I, I appreciate Coach seeing something there um, because, you know, nobody would have known. You know, Denny Miller, he says, I, I never thought you'd be – you know, grow up six eight and all this, and you know, Danny was a good guy, and we used to joke about that. But you know, who would have known? Yeah. Uh, but but coach had that feeling, and you know, that just shows you those are the kind of uh, players he recruited. That's um, awesome. You know, you might not have been you know, you might not have been the most talented, but you know, if you are a character person and uh, you know you work hard, um, you know that can always trump talent. And those are the type of teams that he he um, he uh, manifested over the years. Yeah, and that's you know that was his formula. But you know again, uh, you know education was so big part of his uh, whole scheme, and I appreciate that uh, because I could tell you, Elliot, I've been through places. You know whether it's the NBA or overseas, but the CBA, I played in that for a couple seasons, and um, you know it's a shame to see some of these players had so much talent and had uh, all this and that and you know and, and basically lost it because they didn't have the wear of it all and maybe the education that they should have taken advantage of so you know i've seen it firsthand so i i you know it made me appreciate what i had even more as a student and an athlete but to get that degree and and uh, keep that you know close to me throughout the rest of my life basically well, and it's been great to get to know you uh, over the last few years. And I and you referenced that earlier. You 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 try to make it back once a season and bring some of your yeah. buddies with you and and take in campus in one of our games. And it's uh, I hope we get yeah. I hope we do it again this year. So yeah, actually, I was just talking to my crew, and I have to give a shout out to because I haven't spoken to him, and I recently John Kitchell. Yeah, uh, and I got to go back to my Renegades in my first year, and and. You know, be honest with you, when I first made the team, uh, I wasn't quite well received because, you know, who is this guy? Yeah, you know, sure. Yeah. Like, when I come on, you know, the seniors and stuff. But John, you know, was so uh, welcoming 
he was, you know, he basically took me under his wing a little bit and showed me the ropes. And I appreciated that so much because John was the one that kind of, you know, kept me going. And not that, you know, the rest of the team was this. It's just, you know, who is this guy? And, you know, and they didn't know me from Adam. So, um, but, but John and I was able to speak with him. So uh, we're planning, I'm planning on coming back out probably in January, I think. And John is actually going to be coming too this time. And I haven't seen him in so many years. So that's going to be pretty cool to have uh, that reunion. Yeah. Um, That'll be great. Yeah, we see John from time to time. He was a high school coach in the area for a long time. Yeah. It'll be yeah, it'll be great for you guys to connect. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, well Jim, so, we always wrap these up. I do a final four questions with each guest, and this is just four kind of random questions that we have. So we'd like sure. to get into the final four here with Jim Rowinski. Uh, first question on the final four is, what is your go-to music of choice? Um, I've always been pretty, uh, open about music, but I have always been kind of on the rock and roll side and, you know, going through the eighties, actually, if I, as I date myself, um, <laughs> you know, uh, the big bands like journey and foreigner and, yeah. and you know, those type sticks and, you know, they just kind of get me pumped up, especially when I went to lift, I always had my headphones on. So I was always blasting <laughs> some good, some good hard rock. Did there you we have go. A, a Walkman? Is that what you were wearing back then? Yeah, well, it might have been a Walkman, yeah. I mean, <laughs> back then, but yeah. I had my headphones on, and, and that kind of, you know, just kept me motivated. But that era, you know, and I grew up through, uh, oh, the, the Who and Led Zeppelin growing up and stuff like that. So I've always been on the rock and roll side. There you go. A lot of good bands. A lot of good bands there that you yeah. just mentioned. So very exactly. cool. Uh, question two here on the final four is what is your favorite all-time book or maybe a good book you've read recently? Um, actually, you know, there was a great book that I read a couple times and I just happened to pick it up at a, a store, but it was the, the Rocky Blyer story. Mm-hmm. Um, if anybody wants a fan, you know, and it, it doesn't always, it, it's not just about his football career, but what amazed me is how he went through Vietnam. You know, he, he lost uh, part of his foot uh, and he actually played uh, at a level with uh, uh, part of his foot that had, had to be amputated. Wow. Uh, and I'll tell you, if anybody wants a story, a, a really, you know, gutsy you know, story, and, and he, he goes on, you know, to talk about playing uh, with the Steelers, but I, I, it's the beginning in the Vietnam and, and, and going through that and uh, helping his, his, his fellow soldiers out and, you know, saving lives. It was it was a pretty tremendous story, and and that is something that you know, if you want something inspiring, I suggest anybody. It's a really a good read. Yeah, that's very cool. I did not know much mm-hmm. about that. That might be something to check yeah. out for me down the road. Yeah, check it out. I'm telling you, you want a, an inspirational, which we could all use this day and age. But yeah. his story is, is quite amazing. That's fantastic. Question three here on the final four. If you could wave a wand and do any profession starting tomorrow, what would it be? Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, if, if I was going to do a profession, I, I might uh, put myself as uh, president of the, of the United States so I can start uh, get cleaning up some of the craziness that's going on these you, days. <laughs> you know what's crazy? So we've had this. We've done – this is the 92nd podcast we've done, and that's the first time anybody's ever said yeah. they would like to be president. president yeah. 
Right. How about that? I'm surprised. Now that you say that, I'm surprised we haven't had that more often. Well, you know, uh, I it's just you know here's just a side story too. You know, Kurt Clausen, who became a very um, uh, very wealthy executive with a car. Uh, he went on to actually uh, be a congressman, mm-hmm. uh, and he was down here. He's actually on the other side, over in the Naples area. Mm-hmm. And you know, so Kurt became, you know, when he went down there, he wasn't planning on it, but was asked by his community uh, and and to be because they felt, you know, he had the money. You know, he wasn't going to be swayed by any uh, payments under the table, so to speak. So he actually became it, and uh, you know, I, I kept in contact with Kurt. And, and I just asked him, I said, Kurt, you've been to Washington, uh, D.C., you know, what's the deal? You know, why can't things get done? You know, I'm always saying to myself, yeah. why can't things get done here? Yeah. And he said, you know, I, 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 you know, the problem is, you know, and he, he's a very moderate Republican. He said, any good ideas, and his, his actually goal was to help save the Everglades down here. He had programs, so he was not a far-right person, yeah. but, you know, very moderate in the middle, Kurt is very, if you ever met him, very even-keeled guy. But he says, you know, anytime we have a good idea, the other side doesn't like it, and vice versa. Yeah. And he said, you know, and I'm like, you know, we need somebody to bring people together. Yeah. You know, and and that's always been, you know, I, I've been in sales for many years, and that's you know one of the attributes I think I have, you know, uh, bringing people together, both sides, working things out, because. You know, he got so frustrated that he actually ended up not taking his second term. He decided, you know what, this is, it, it just irked him that, you know, things cannot get done, just stalemating and nothing gets done. So, so you know, for me, that's why, you know, I just feel that this is such a great country and, and we really need to start getting people in there to, to start shaking hands and just working on stuff to come to a conclusion and a favorable uh, conclusion at that. So, yeah, people have far more similarities than they realize. They just don't have. They don't take time to stop and talk about it. Exactly. Amen. You know, I, I think I, I amen to that. And I think you know, people need to kind of you know, when the other side is saying something, kind of listen. You know, don't be so closed mind that hey, I have all the answers. Right. And you know, that's always been you know, I've always been a good listener. And and I'm in. I've been in sales, and I teach young salespeople. I said, be a good listener. Uh, you know, hear other people's opinions. The greatest CEOs are not ones that say, I know everything. They put the right people around them. Yeah. Uh, you know, the right people that they know, hey, I, I know I'm weak in this area. I'll get the right person. They're, they're smart enough and, and not, not having the ego to say, hey, I can do this myself. I know what I'm doing. And so, you know, that's the kind of attitude I think we need uh, this day and age, especially because things have gotten so out of hand, as yeah. we all know. And, and we really need to come together. Well, it's amazing that's the first time somebody said president. But I like the that answer. I like well, the answer. You said I had my magic wand, so. There you go. I like it. I like it. Last question here on the Final Four. What is a little-known fact or something that nobody knows about Jim Rowinski? Ooh, let's see. I think, uh, you know, probably um, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I like to uh, an activist with animals actually and really and people. down here yeah down here in um south florida I, I i volunteered at two excellent um charities uh, one is called hope south um there's a gentleman named pastor perry 
and they uh, help with the community giving out uh, free meals uh, to people on the, you know, that are homeless. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, as we all know, every city has this situation. And uh, so over the years, I've helped out with events, um, bringing donations. I have people at my work give me donations that I bring down. It could be shoes. It could be anything from uh, toiletries to clothing and things like that. It's really a great organization, and the volunteers there are, are magnificent, but they could serve up to 200 uh, to 300 people per session um, at these meals, and they do it a few times a week. So, nice. Uh, and the second part is um, a, a, a no-kill uh, shelter called Abandoned Pet Rescue, which I've been helping out. I was one of the, actually, I started, ooh, right, when I started down here back in 06, 07, I was one of the first dog walkers. So oh, I used there to, you go. Yeah, so I used to help with, and me and this other gentleman, Mike, and the program now is built up, and I'm glad to say, you know, there's younger people, high school kids coming in, uh, doing dog walking duties, you know. That's and, great, uh, yeah. Yeah, in fact, um, and, and just helping out, again, with events, helping them get donations, um, uh, and, and I actually, you know, have brought and found uh, animals to bring in that that I found personally. I just was involved about a month ago with bringing in 13 animals that were uh, basically not in good shape. Um, seven dogs, four cats, and two rabbits. Wow. Yeah, I was tipped off. My wife and her friend had called over and said, hey, you know, can you just check this out? Because she knew that, you know, we belong to the APR. And I was like, you know, I'm saying, what is going on here? I went to the house. Unfortunately, it was not a good situation. It was a Section 8 house. And uh, there were these animals in these cages. And I was, and the grandmother, you know, said, can you please help with this? So we were able to get all those animals out and put them into the shelter. All those dogs already got adopted. So, oh, good uh, for you. That's that's uh, great. Well, I'm yeah. a I'm a I'm a fellow freak for nature, so I I think that's really really cool. Yeah, and I I think you know teaching the young folks and teaching young kids to do these type of charitable situations, you know, just helps you know with everything. And you know, it's it, if you're feeling down, I always say go down to places like this, and you'll see the spirit of the volunteers, and it will uplift you. You know, and and uh, when things are you know that we hear all this bad stuff going on. Well, there's a lot of good stuff going on as well. Yeah, that's great. Well, Jim, thanks so much for taking time to join us here on the podcast. It's been great to kind of go down memory lane with you. Uh, yep. And uh, as, I, as I mentioned before, for our listeners, Jim uh, gets back once a year, and it's always great to see him. So looking forward to doing that again with you this year. Yeah, Elliot, I'm looking at actually I was just talking to some of my uh, my uh, colleague friends, and we're, we're looking at towards the end of January. So once okay. I have that, and I appreciate you. You've been very generous um, and, and accommodating. Uh, it's a blast bringing, uh, and, and again, one of my fellow renegades, Tony, will be there. And <laughs> there um, Yeah, and it's really cool because we get to go behind the scenes. And I have to say, uh, if there's a comparison, when I remember we had our little locker room, to the side yeah. with my hair and my very thin locker and uh you know we were all kind of crammed in there when i came back and it's been a while the last time pre-covid i was like what the heck is all this <laughs> yeah. i was like man are they are they getting pampered here yeah a little different a <laughs> little, little different bit. nowadays oh, man. and you should see the old metal seats we used to sit on back in the day I mean, <laughs> i'm looking at plush leather 
carpet and you know big screen TVs, the practice court. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. all yeah. that stuff. But it, but I know that you know things have changed. It's amazing how the um, how things have evolved. Yeah. Over the years. Well, and, we're and, guilty as charged. We are very spoiled right now. There's well, no that's doubt. okay. No, but that's what you have to do. I mean, nowadays, you know, uh, recruits they're looking at that. But hey, you know, that's just natural progression. Yeah. But you know, to see what we went through back then to now is is pretty amazing. But the whole campus, every time I go back, I'm amazed. Um, you know, at, at at the growth and all the things going on. There's just a few places left back in my memory that are still there, like Harry's Pub. Yeah. Uh, Bruno's. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. A, sh- a shout out to Orlando as well. Good friend. Yeah. Good guy. Uh, Bruno's and uh, the 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 3X Cafe over there where I used to go for after my uh, that diner. Uh, I couldn't believe that was still there. Yeah, there's uh-huh. still all those places are still alive and going. Yeah. Yeah, there's a few there's a few places still left there from my back in the day, but it's amazing how everything else and the growth and all the apartment buildings and the new buildings that are there up in campus. So, but it's always fun to see that, and I'm looking forward to being back uh, in early 2024. Sounds great. Well, thanks, Jim, so much for taking time today. We appreciate it. Thanks a lot, guys. I appreciate it too. All right, that was episode 92 here on the podcast. I'd like to remind our uh, our listeners, uh, we thank you for tuning in, and remind you all to next. Until next time, be curious, be informed, and be well. Good night, everyone.